last uh, message in the dad series. And today we're talking about uh, God as dad, our provider. You know, we've been looking at the different aspects of our uh, father-child relationship with God. And today we're talking about him as our provider. And I know that in our world, dad being the provider isn't, it's a little more complicated than that these days, right? I mean, like uh, our, our world, there's all sorts of people uh, trying to make money to make ends meet. But the, the stereotypical and historical picture throughout the scriptures is that dad in the family structure is provider and God in the scriptures refers to himself as our, as our provider and as, as our father and as such also our provider. And that's what we're going to be looking at uh, this morning. Okay, join me in prayer. Um, God, for this message right here, I ask that you would reveal yourself, that you would reveal yourself as far as this aspect of your provision for us and the way you deal with resources in regard to us. I ask that you would help us to understand from your scripture a little more, both so that we can glorify you and honor you um, in praise and in thanksgiving and, and in trust in the way we trust you, but then also, God, that we can respond appropriately in the way uh, that we act and as well in relationship to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, perhaps you were raised in a family that didn't have many resources, that uh, an impoverished home or a real needy home, and that might have created a level of stress in your life where you weren't sure uh, if the next meal was going to be there. You didn't know if you were going to have uh, anything to wear um, that would be presentable. You know, when you went to school, you didn't know if it was going to be, uh, you were going to be embarrassed by the fact that you didn't have anything uh, nice to wear to school. Maybe you didn't know if you, your parents were going to have money to pay rent um, and if you were going to have a place to stay. Some of you were raised in an environment like that, and that created a level of anxiety and fear and stress in your life. For others of you, you were raised in an environment uh, that was much different than that, where there was financial security. You might not have been super wealthy, but there was enough. Maybe you were super wealthy. Um, either way, there was a certain level of stress and anxiety that you didn't have to deal with because there wasn't really the question as to whether or not there would be food on the table or whether or not there would be a roof over your head. And it's very easy for anyone who's raised in the environment where those things are automatic to take it for granted, right? That that's just, well, yeah, everyone has that, but not everyone does. And those of us who were raised in an environment different than that would recognize the stress that comes along with not knowing that. When it comes to God as our provider, it is very important to understand one thing, that God as our Father is never, ever, ever short on cash. He's never short on cash. And he is never, he's not broke, he doesn't run low, and we're like, well, duh, that's God, of course, in connection with that is the fact that God also is always toward us and for us, and he wants to provide. So he has unlimited resources, and he wants to provide. Um, so there's two principles that uh, we want to go after in relation to God as our provider today. One is the fact that, on one hand, money is completely and totally immaterial to God. It's a non-factor. You know, when you get to a certain stage of wealth— uh, what you spend on, you know, like Bill Gates, I don't think that he spends a whole lot of time trying to figure out how to pinch a penny on eBay, you know? He just doesn't think about that. He's like, get me the best or get me whatever, you know, and he's just not thinking about it. 
because money's a non-factor because he has so much. And with God, that he has so much in terms of resources that he doesn't have to think at all about whether or not he will or can provide for his children. He doesn't have to budget for the sake of making sure that he has enough in order to provide. There is zero shortage. All of our resources, all of our finances, everything that we refer to as money or currency is based on the value of things like precious metals. And those precious metals are created by God. Right, yes. And so that we might assign value to them based on how much we want them, but to God, they're not very valuable because he can just say gold. Like a genie, you know? Like, bam! Except genies aren't real and God is. And there's this thing that can happen when it comes to the exchange of currency. I give you something in return for something you give me. And that's goods and services. So food... And, and shelter and services, all of those things, food and water, where do they come from? God. God's the provider. God's the provider of the things that we purchase. God's the provider of the things that we hold valuable on which our currency is based. All the things that are deeper than the money, all of those things are the things that God speaks and they exist. The idea that we would ever feel any sort of lack in our life when our dad is God is an absurd thought. It's an absurd thought that our father, who is the creator of all that gives value to our money and all that our money can actually purchase that is of value, he's the creator of. We should never, ever in our lives once ever have to truly stress and have anxiety around whether or not our needs will be met. I can say that with confidence because all through the scriptures, God proves that not only in the Garden of Eden when he's the provider or when uh, the children of Israel are walking through the wilderness and he's providing bread straight up from heaven and water from rocks and proving points to them all over the place that we don't need anything and just go over and hit that rock and water's going to come out of it and, and pray and, you know, bread's going to come out from the sky and he's making a point. But even beyond all that, when God himself shows up in human flesh here on earth in the person of Jesus Christ, uh, he preaches this spectacular message that, that we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, in chapter 6 of Matthew, um, you can turn there with me. It starts in verse 25, where he says this word, therefore, okay? This is what he, says. he says, therefore, I tell you. What do we ask every time we hear the word therefore? What's it there for? Do you know what's before that? Anybody who has their Bible will be able to answer this. If you have your Bible, what's the verse right before it? Ah, uh-huh. no one can serve two masters. See, when you look on this screen, you're saying, I trust that they're going to give us the scriptures up here. But if you have your Bible, you can turn a verse back and be like, what's that there for? And this is a plug for me to say, Bibles are still good. You can bust out your phone. It's okay if it's on your phone. And the, the verse before that verse, what it actually says is, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, 
Do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? As a matter of fact, if anything, that stress and that anxiety would take us the other way, right? Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Here it is. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, For tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If you go to chapter 7 in verse 7, it says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you'll give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Good stuff, right? Philippians 4, it says, My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. And this is, the, this is the first principle when it comes to dad as provider, is that he is never, ever short on cash, that money's a non-factor, that he will provide for us all of our needs as we seek the kingdom of God. As we seek the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, all the things will be added unto you. That's all based on one principle. That entire text is a therefore, is based on one principle, and that principle is you cannot serve God and money. You can't go after both masters. You can't do it. It's got to be one or the other. Okay, now listen. When it comes to our boys, Jen and I, we, um, we may feel like we're short on cash at times. Jen and I might feel that. If we ever feel that way, our boys don't know that, you know? This is the way it is for us. There are things with our boys that we are very, very willing to open up the treasure for and spend. Our kids, we send them to camp in the summer. Camp's not super cheap, you know. That's no offense to Camp Sankinac. I'm sure it's cheap for running a camp. But it costs money to send your kid to camp. We send our kids to camp because it's massive value added to our family, to their lives. And we're like, that's worth pouring into. You want to go to camp? You come back and you know scripture and you know how to shoot a bow and arrow. That's awesome. 
You know, you made new friends and you had a great time and there's adventure in your life. Yes, we spend money in that, you know. Our, our boys, we have these projects for them where they have to memorize the scripture. And when they do, we bribe, I mean, we reward them. <laughs> and when they, when they memorize, they had to memorize a verse from each, at least one verse from each book of the Bible. And when they did, they got gifts, you know. And rewards. Right now, they're in another project where they're memorizing Romans 8 and the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments and Apostles' Creed. And once they get all that done, when they get that done, uh, Evan's going to get a motorized scooter and Colton's going to get a BB gun. Stay away from my house. <laughs> Kids will be running around with BB guns. They're not allowed to do that with everyone else around. But anyway, they get, these are no joke gifts. They're cool gifts, you know? And they're cool gifts because we're like, it is a big, as you seek the kingdom of God, all the other things will be added unto you. When, when it's the, and, and the kingdom of God means God's government. That's what it means. That when he is king, and this is the way he wants things, as we submit to him, that's his kingdom. As we submit to God's way of life, that's God's kingdom. And to the extent that we are seeking the kingdom of God, there is an unlimited flow of resources to support us in moving within the kingdom. When we step out of the kingdom and we're doing our own little kingdom or whatever, God does not promise that he will provide all the resources for our kingdom. He will promise the resources for his kingdom. I have never spent any money on Pokemon cards. I don't have a problem with Pokemon cards, but I don't see all the value added in my kid's life. And so if they want to take their money that they get for their birthday or whatever, and they want to spend it on Pokemon cards, I say, go for it. And they have a binder that has the Pokemon cards, and they trade them, and they do all that. That's them. But for me, I'm like, I want to see value added in your life. And I don't, I don't see any negative value. I don't see a whole lot of positive value. I don't spend much money on, like, video games and stuff for my kids. But, man, if they want to do something that I think is beneficial for their life, I don't even think about it. I'm just like, yes, and I invest into it. And I want it to be fun, and I want it to be enjoyable, and I want to bless them. But there's this sense in which I want to pour resources their way, but in ways that I think add value to their life and add value to our family. And uh, so that's the way it works in the kingdom of God, that God is very, very willing to pour out all sorts of resources to us. They, we just told the boys we've been looking for, uh, they've been asking for a pet for a long time, and uh, we've always been like, no. And then on uh, Friday, when they finished school, we were trying to think of a fun thing to do at the end of school, and we said, do you want to go to the pet store? And they were like, what? And uh, say, well, we've been thinking. And they're like, what? And we said, well, we're, it's just a little thing. We're going to get this little, like, leopard gecko, okay? Little, little lizard. And, uh, and this is to teach, uh, to enjoy as a family because they want a pet, but also responsibility, right? Got to take care of it. And then the, the question came up, so do we have to buy the food? said, no, you don't have to buy the food. We'll provide the food. But you got to feed it, and you got to clean it, and all of that. The resources are there for you. The responsibility is on you. Very much the same as the kingdom of God. Very, the resources are there for you. There is a responsibility to walk in the kingdom. To the extent that you walk in the kingdom, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about it. You can't serve God in money. Okay? That's principle number one when it comes to God as provider is he is never, ever short on cash. That he's got all the resources we need. That as we step out to follow him, he will 
always provide. And for some of us, this is difficult because we have this thing in our mind where what we think is, this is how we do it. We think, this is, this is my budget. This is my bank account. This is what I have. This is the church budget. This is what we have. This is, this, we have to balance the budget. Okay, so here's the budget. This is what we have. Here are the resources. Now, God, within that, what do you want to do? That's not the way it works. God is not contained within our budget. You hear me? This is how it works. God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Once we know what God wants to do, then after that, we submit ourselves to it and we honor him and we trust him for where he's going to take us. That's principle number one. You can't serve God in money. What you fear, listen to this, what you fear is what you worship. What you fear is what you worship. And when you fear the Lord, that's the beginning of all wisdom. When you fear the Lord. So if I fear the Lord, then I'm going to say, the worst thing in the world is that I'm not listening to God. And if I'm not listening to the Lord, things aren't going to go well. And if I don't submit to Him, then I can't trust that things are going to go great. On the other hand, if the thing that I'm most afraid of is, am I going to have enough finances, then God's voice will be limited into my fear of my finances. And when it comes to following God, what I have to do is not first see what I have available and then ask God to fit within that. It's what is God saying and then trust him to make available what's necessary in order to fulfill what it is that he's saying. That's principle number one, okay? There's another principle. And the other principle is, is that if I seek the kingdom of God, money is a really, really, really big deal to God. Let me explain what I mean. Again, the kingdom of God is the government of God. The way the government of God reveals itself is in two relationships. What are the two relationships that reveal the government of God? Our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. All the commands of God are summed up in these two commands. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. All the commands hang on these two principles. So the whole government of God is about two relationships in our life, our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with each other. The whole government of God exists within that. When it comes to talking about those two relationships, God refers to one thing, Jesus refers to one thing more than anything else in all of his teachings. Money. That's what he refers to more than anything else in the way we relate to God and the way we relate to one another. When it comes to revealing love and how we do that, that is expressed most precisely through how we deal with our finances. And he ta- there's so many parables and principles and all this stuff that he tells all these stories and they're all about money. About the money lender, about the woman who sweeps her, her looking for the coin, about the, the little widow who doesn't have anything left and gives her last two Two coins here about the fish that says, do you pay taxes? Go over and open up the fish's mouth. And there in the, in the fish's mouth is a, is a coin about where's the image of God on your life? Do you pay taxes? Well, Caesar, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to, over and over and over again, he's constantly talking about money. Constantly talking about it. Why? For two reasons. One is because money is an indicator of our heart. Our budget indicates our heart, much like our calendar does. And secondarily, money is a director of our heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's future. 
That's where your heart will be. So what you choose to spend reveals something about where your heart is, and where you choose to spend says something about where your heart will be. Okay? If I want to change, then i got to change the way I invest. If I want to seek first the kingdom of God, then I have to choose to do that with my budget, with my money. If I want my heart to go toward God, then i got to invest toward God, and i got to bless. So this is the second principle, is that God really does care about money. It's immaterial on one level because he's not limited in any way by resources. On the other hand, he's extremely interested in how we invest our money because he's made us in such a way that we have the ability to take the deep treasures of our heart and take these very material things, our own resources, and we direct the passions of our heart by how we invest. If I want to seek the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, the initial basic principle of the kingdom of God in the scriptures is that of first fruits. You know the principle of first fruits? It's been there since the beginning that of all that God gives to me, what do I do with it? The first thing I do, give back to God. So if the very first thing I do with my resources is not giving back to God, what's the first of the Ten Commandments? You shall not have any other gods before me. You cannot serve God in money. If the very first thing that I do with my resources is not give back to God, then I'm violating the principle of first fruits, which is that he gives to me, the first thing I do is give back to him, say it all comes from you. It all comes from you. And so I give it back to him. Now, if I'm not doing that, if I'm not doing that, then I'm already saying I'm kind of seeking first the kingdom of God, like I want that, but am I actually doing that? You know, and so there's this principle that he puts in place that's just kind of the, the Old Testament principle. He actually put a percentage on there, 10%, right? The first 10% of everything. In the New Testament, we get a picture that it's like, it's all for the Lord. Any, anything that was a little law in the Old Testament becomes, like, you've heard it said, do not murder. I tell you now that even if you look at your brother with hatred in your heart, you've already committed murder in your heart. You see in the Old Testament, people gave 10% uh, to the temple and, and, and invested and tithed first fruits. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, they held everything in common and they shared everything. And anytime anyone had a need, they sold what they had and gave it to those who were in need. And so everything that seemed a percentage or a little thing in the Old Testament was gigantic in the New Testament. The picture of finances when it comes to how we love and honor God, is that we see everything comes from the Lord, therefore everything that is mine belongs to him. And the minimal way of following God in honoring him, the very first thing would be without even blinking, without even thinking about it, that everything comes from you. If you give to me, right here. Let's, let's remind ourselves all the time about where this is coming from. And let's stay in that posture of thanksgiving. Giving is not just about giving to a need. You know, every now and then we might give, get up and say, hey, VBS, we're, we're going to have some, we need people to bring this or bring that. 
That's an awesome thing. Okay, let's chip, chip in and, and meet that need. There might be a person who we know who's struggling, who uh, needs some furniture. You know, Jerry Lovett uh, uh, helps run the uh, furniture bank at the, at the uh, soup kitchen on Monday nights. And so if someone is trying to move into an apartment and they don't have a place to get a uh, meal or get uh, furniture, then we might say, you want to give some furniture. And, and Cal, you're helping out with that now, right? And so, they, they, okay, here. That's giving to a need, and that's awesome. That reflects our relationship out with other people. You know, we follow Christ up, in, and out. That's the out. The in is if someone else in the church has a need. If my brother or sister, if Jeho doesn't know how he's going to make ends meet because he can't walk anymore, and we try to figure out how to help him, okay? That's giving in. But first, we give up. And the first portion of our money is not about investment. It's not about needs. It's not about me trying to figure out where I should direct my resources in order to do something valuable. It's simple. It's thank you, God. Worship you, God. Honor you, God. You take it. I give it to you. I don't care where it goes. It's yours. That's why they just took it to the temple, and they were like, boom, you know, and it's God's. And so because of that principle, Jen and I, when it comes to our giving, our first 10% always goes directly to the church because we're just like, we don't want to invest that. We don't want to direct where that goes. We just want to give it to the Lord. Beyond that, any giving, that's about now we're going to invest here, now we're going to invest there, and we go beyond that. And God is so faithful and always provides for all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Principle number one, he's never short on cash. Principle number two is that he actually cares how I spend my cash because it reveals my heart and it directs my heart. So here's the principle. Here's how this works itself out, is that he loves me so much and he wants to give me good gifts. Which one of you, if your son asked for a a piece of bread, would give him a rock and say, chew on this? You know, none of you. And God wants to give you good gifts. He wants to. On the other hand, God also knows that the most important thing is that your heart's toward him. And so he's not going to support habits that are inappropriate that don't turn our hearts toward him he's not going to continue to just want to pour things out when we're investing ourselves in ways that are turning our hearts not toward god and so he what he wants to do is say seek first the kingdom get your heart in line and as you do that then all the things can be added unto you it doesn't mean that i'm going to get all all my wildest dreams will come true like pedro said but like what actually happens in our did you catch that napoleon dynamite reference there that's too old. Yeah, okay. Anyway, I thought I was going to get a little more than that on that one. Anyway, he says that he will direct us as we seek first the kingdom of God. As we seek the kingdom of God, he wants to give us absolutely way more, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. That doesn't mean line in my pockets with cash. It means unlimited resources to fulfill kingdom work and to submit myself to it. First part of kingdom work, first way I submit is by, uh, by tithing. Now listen, my, uh, you know where we're living as a family right now, like what's going on in our lives with Jen's dad just passing and the difficulty that's there. You know, um, when, when I, he went to be with the Lord, the last time he was in church, I think I told you, was when he was here at Parker Ford and he was here to watch me baptize Evan. Baptize Evan. And uh, after that, he was at home and Jen was taking care of him and he wanted Jen to help him pay the bills. So she was sitting down with his checkbook, writing checks for him and everything. And he said, I want you to write a tithe check. Apparently when he would go to a church that wasn't his home church, that week he would give the tithe to that church that he was at. And so he said, I want you to write a tithe check to Parker Ford. 
for the week that I was there. And then I want you to write a, a tithe check for next week for the church that, uh, for my home church, you know? Well, so they wrote the check, Jen wrote the check for Calvary Monument, the church that, that he, he goes to. Well, that went through that Sunday, and that Sunday night, 1 a.m. Monday morning, he went home to be with the Lord, okay? And so he actually proactively thought through, how am I going to continue to honor and thank God? Well, this is the thing as we were reflecting on this this week, talking about dad as, as provider, um, was that he his every day of his life when he came to Christ, as far back as we know, he was honoring God by blessing him and thanking him financially from the first fruits principle. But the day, that, the first day that kind of expired past that, he was an hour into it, and he woke up in the presence of Jesus face-to-face with the crown of righteousness that he would take off his head and he would lay it at the feet of Jesus. And now it doesn't matter about the money because he's out of the material world. He can take the true precious metals of the jewels of the kingdom of God and he can lay them at the feet of Jesus and he can look face-to-face and he says, there is no righteousness that I have that was not by your stripes up there. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's what he saw was the righteousness of God. And that day he was able to say, here's my righteousness given to you. And face to face to Jesus, honor him that way. How cool is that? That on earth he honored all the time with the material stuff that he was given. And in heaven the next day, an hour later, boom, here you go. And as we thought about that, we were so blessed by that. We were just so blessed by that thought. For some of us, it's hard to trust God that he's toward us and that he's not short on cash and that when he calls us to something, we can trust him and we can go after it even if we don't see how the finances are going to work. We just submit to him and obey him and he'll provide. For others of us, it's hard to trust him with what we do have. And this is what he was warning the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says this amazing thing. They had been walking through the wilderness and and God had provided for for them. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, um, he says, he, he warns them as they come into the promised land that things are going to change. In chapter, in verse 2, it says, And you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make known that man does not live by bread alone, but, by, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains of springs flowing in the valleys of hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, so on and so forth. It keeps going, it keeps going. He talks about copper and all the stuff that he's going to give them. He says, when you have eaten and are full and you've built good houses and live in them and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, who brought you water and who fed you. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. 
you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. And this is his thing. This is it right here. He says, I will provide for all your needs according to the riches and glory. But once I provide for those needs, will you remember and honor where it came from appropriately? Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, awesome quote from him about this. I want you to listen to this. This is my closing quote, okay? The unsoundness of a vessel means like a bucket that doesn't work. The unsoundness of a vessel is not seen when it's empty, but when it's filled with water. Then we shall see whether it will leak or not. It is in our prosperity that we are tested. Men are not fully discovered to themselves until they are tried by fullness of success. Praise finds pride. Wealth reveals selfishness. Learning discovers the leak of unbelief. Success is the crucible of character. Hence, the prosperity which some welcome as an unmixed favor from God may far more rightly be regarded as an intense form of testing. O Lord, preserve us when we are full as much as when we are empty. Amen? Here's the thing is that God has blessed us and we can tell a lot about where we are based on what we do with what he's given us. You can tell a lot about a church based on the finances. You can tell a lot about a Christian based on the finances. If we all as a church body took 10% of what we were doing and gave it to the Lord, oh my goodness, wouldn't even imagine what our church would be able to do for the kingdom of God and how that would change the way things work. Any church in America, if they gave 10%, if, if every member gave 10%, every, every person who was a part of that gave 10% of the, the first fruits, you wouldn't believe what would happen to budgets. It would be unreal what would happen to church budgets and what was available. When we're not there, that's an indicator of things. When we choose to invest that way, it's a director of our heart. You want to know God more? You seek God. You pray. You say, God, change my heart. He gives a simple principle that helps in that process. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Honor dad. Dad will bless. It doesn't mean line my pockets with wealth, but it does mean dad knows what's best for my life. He knows the difference between a Pokemon card and a pet. He knows the difference between a video game and summer camp. He knows the value added to my life. And he says, read my word and follow it and test me in this and I will pour out the treasures of heaven in order to bless you if you will test me in this. He loves us. He wants to provide for us. But we've got to trust him and we've got to honor him the way he tells us to honor him. Got it? All right. Cool, let's pray, and then we got to talk about this decision. Jesus, we thank you and praise you. Um, you have been faithful to us on this level, and uh, you have given us everything that we need, and we thank you and praise you for that. I know you'll continue to provide for us. In the name of Jesus, amen.